Today's episode is proudly sponsored by the English Learning for Curious Minds podcast. I'm so happy to be working with English Learning for Curious Minds again. The podcast is an amazing resource for English learners, has interesting and unique topics, and I'm certain most thinking in English listeners would enjoy English Learning for Curious Minds too. Last week, they released a fascinating episode on New York's infamous criminal families, the Italian-American criminal underworld, which came to dominate industry and politics in the city. I really, really recommend you listen to it. I found it fascinating. English Learning for Curious Minds is available on all podcasting apps with unique and interactive transcripts and vocabulary lists available as well. Go and check it out. Click the link in the description. Hello, I'm Tom Wilkinson and welcome to the Thinking in English podcast, a podcast for intermediate to advanced level English learners. If you think about Japanese food, probably the first dish that comes to mind is sushi. But would it surprise you to know that sushi today is vastly different from just a few hundred years ago? Today, let's talk about how a fermented fish dish from China evolved into the national food of Japan. You can find the full transcript of today's episode over on the Thinking in English blog. And I have to say thank you to my Patreon member who suggested this topic. If you'd like to suggest future topics, join Patreon. Here is today's vocabulary list. Cuisine, cuisine, a style of cooking. For example, I love to eat Italian cuisine. Raw, raw, not cooked when we talk about food. For instance, basashi is a popular dish in parts of Japan made of raw horse meat. Refrigerate, refrigerate, to make or keep something especially food or drink, cold, so that it stays fresh, usually in a fridge. For example, fresh orange juice should be refrigerated after opening and drunk within three days. Preserve, preserve, to treat food in a particular way so that it can be kept for a long time without going bad. For example, adding salt is a great way to preserve food. Ferment, ferment. If food or drink ferments, or if you ferment it, it goes through a chemical change because of the action of yeast or bacteria, which may cause it to produce bubbles or heat or turn sugars in it into alcohol. For example, sauerkraut and kimchi are both essentially fermented cabbage. Predecessor, predecessor. Something that comes before another thing in time or in a series. As in, the latest Ferrari is not only faster than its predecessors, but also more comfortable. Parasite. Parasite. An animal or plant that lives on or in another animal or plant of a different type and feeds from it. As in, parasites have been causing harm to the local fish population. Authentic, authentic, 
If something is authentic, it is real, true, or what people say it is. For example, I've never eaten authentic Italian food. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you will know that I have a close connection with Japan. I've worked in Japan, I've studied in Japan, I've completed a master's degree from the University of London specialising in Japanese politics, and hopefully very soon I'll be back living in the country. Before I moved to Japan in 2016, I had never eaten Japanese food, not at all. But since living in the country, I have immersed myself in the wonderful world of Japanese cuisine. The smoky skewers of chicken called yakitori, grilled over special coals and often smothered in sauce. Delicious savoury pancakes full of cabbage, seafood and meat called okonomiyaki. Juicy chicken marinated in soy sauce then fried. Sweet Japanese curries often accompanied with crispy chicken cutlets. Thick udon noodles served with vegetable tempura. Cold soba noodles accompanied by grilled duck. And delicious bowls of ramen filled full of fatty pork and deep, rich broth. Ramen is definitely my favourite food. In fact, there is so much food in Japan that I can't even begin to discuss it all. Tender beef tongue from the northern city of Sendai. Katsuo tataki, seared fish left raw in the middle from Kochi Prefecture. Rice bowls stuffed with sour plums, delicate freshwater eel, far too expensive wagyu steak from Kobe, fried pork cutlets drenched in sauce from Fukushima, glorious egg sandwiches and more. But if there is one food associated with Japan known all around the world, it is sushi. Before moving to Japan, Sushi was the only Japanese food I really knew about, and I still get asked by my friends and family in the UK how I deal with eating raw fish all the time. The truth is, I only eat sushi occasionally, and usually only cheap sushi from supermarkets or conveyor belt sushi restaurants. But sushi is intimately connected with Japanese culture, and the world associates Japanese food with sushi. So, What exactly is sushi? There are a lot of myths and misconceptions about the dish. For example, the idea that sushi is simply raw fish. This is not the case. In fact, one of the most popular types of sushi in Japan is cooked sweet egg omelette. The name comes from the words su and meshi, which translate as vinegar rice. And there is no one form of sushi. In Japan, nigiri, rice with the sushi topping drooped over the top, and maki, tight rolls of seaweed, rice and fillings, are the most common. But there is also chirashi sushi, with the topping served on top of a bowl of rice, funazushi, which I'll talk about soon, and more. Then there is sushi in other parts of the world, which may be incredibly popular, but vastly different from that found in Japan. Take the California roll, sushi rolled with the rice on the outside, which I've never seen in Japan, but is popular in other countries. Sushi also comes at all price points, from a few dollars in the supermarket, to cheap conveyor belt sushi chains, 
to the highest luxury restaurants in the world. Sushi is synonymous with Japanese food. But would it surprise you to know that the modern sushi we enjoy today is nothing like it used to be? The raw fish, edible rice, types of fish and way of eating are relatively recent in the history of the dish. Today I want to talk about the history of sushi from the rice fields of ancient China to the modern-day Michelin-starred restaurants. When we think about the history of food, we need to understand something. We need to understand that the idea of traditional food is often invented. We care a lot about our national and cultural foods, but we often forget how much was borrowed and learned from other places in the past. A great example is one of my favourite Italian dishes, pasta arrabbiata, which wouldn't be possible without tomatoes and chilies, originally from the Americas, and pasta influenced by Asian dishes centuries ago. The ingredients were borrowed, changed and eventually combined to make a delicious dish that is now very Italian. There are other myths too, that the way we eat today is very different to the past. We have more money today, we have better access to food, better refrigeration and different morals. Japan is a great example of this. Many of the dishes I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the episode, like grilled and fried chicken, pork filled ramen and incredibly expensive wagyu beef, are meat based. But Japan was basically entirely vegetarian, other than fish, for over 1000 years until the late 19th century. These dishes are relatively new. And think about sushi, raw fish on vinegared rice. Well, today the fish used in most sushi is caught in deep oceans, instantly frozen and then kept refrigerated until it is used for safety this would not have been possible before refrigeration. So what is the origin of Japan's national dish? Well, the origin of sushi probably lies in the rice fields of China. The original form of sushi is known as narezushi and was a method of preserving fish in salt. It was a way to keep and ferment freshwater fish for a longer period of time. Narezushi was likely introduced to Japan from China in the 8th century. Now, narezushi was not the only thing imported from China during that period. Buddhism, the kimono, Confucianism, and foods ranging from rice and wheat to soy products like tofu and soy sauce to tea were all originally from China. You can still find styles of narezushi in Japan, until modern sushi was invented in the 18th century, narezushi was widely consumed. Narezushi was generally made with freshwater fish, with funazushi, made using a type of carp, considered to be the true predecessor to modern sushi. Narezushi was fermented. The fish was first cleaned and then packed full of salt. The salted fish would be left to cure for months, sometimes years. After this step, the fish would be washed, dried and then fermented in rice for a long time, 
in the top narazushi restaurants in Japan today, this whole process takes more than three years. It is completely different to the fresh slices of tuna you may be used to. I've never tried the predecessor to sushi, although it is still available in some parts of Japan. According to a few online reviews I read, it tasted almost like cheese due to its fermented, salty, and strong taste. One of the most interesting facts about narazushi is that you didn't really eat the rice. The fish would be fermented in rice to help the processes, but that rice would then be discarded, thrown away, and the fish alone eaten. When rice ferments, it produces a form of lactic acid that can preserve and almost pickle the fish. So, how did this thousand year old fermented fish dish develop into modern sushi? The first modern sushi, or sushi perhaps we would recognize today, was created in the city of Edo in the 18th century. You may know Edo better by its modern name, Tokyo. In the year 1606, the capital city of Japan was moved from Kyoto to Edo and the city transformed quickly. It became a hot spot of economic activity, growing in size, and with more people looking for good and readily available food. As I mentioned, narazushi took months, even years to make. But in Edo, they developed a new process to speed everything up. It was known as Hayazushi, literally fast sushi, and was a fast food version of the ancient dish. In the 18th century, two new products allowed people to recreate and speed up the process of making the dish using seafood caught in the Tokyo Bay, bottles of soy sauce, and rice vinegar. Vinegar could be added to rice. It would speed up the fermentation process, so rather than taking months, it would take just a few days. It would also make the rice easier to eat and give it a sour taste similar to narazushi. Today, rice vinegar is simply used to season cooked rice. Soy sauce became incredibly popular in the 18th century as well. Shops in Edo would marinate the fish in soy sauce. Helping it to last longer and give it the deep flavor and saltiness of narazushi. It also helped to improve the flavor of bad fish, because, of course, in the past, not all meat and fish was high quality, especially before refrigeration. So, covering it in strong tasting soy sauce would improve that flavor. These two products allowed sushi to be made quickly. And using the fresh fish from the sea by Tokyo. As fish has improved in quality over the years, for example, advances in technology allowing fishing from deep in the oceans and also better refrigeration, rice vinegar and soy sauce were no longer essential to make the fish edible, but instead became the tasty seasonings we love today. By the 19th century, sushi was incredibly popular. There were thousands of restaurants in the large city serving the dish to customers. But it still didn't look like modern sushi. The famous shapes of sushi today, nigiri, is often credited to Yohei Hanaya, who owned Yohei's sushi in the early 19th century. 
He started the craze for modern sushi. He helped popularise tuna as a fish for sushi, which wasn't overly important or popular in Japan at the time. He created hand-pressed sushi, shaping the rice and then placing a slice of fish over the top, which is now the most popular shape of the dish. He also used vinegared rice that you could actually eat, and sometimes added wasabi, two things still popular now. During the mid-19th century, some forms of sushi were actually banned during famines in the city of Edo, but eventually the dish would return to its popularity and become immensely popular across the whole country. In 1923, the Great Kanto earthquake destroyed much of Tokyo, but gave sushi a chance to spread around Japan. Some sushi chefs left the capital, moving to other cities and opening new stores, while other sushi chefs were now able to move into better locations in the rebuilt Tokyo. From the 19th century onwards, sushi developed into the national dish of Japan. From the high-end luxury restaurants using the best ingredients and masters handcrafting the dishes, to the supermarket sushi available across the country. It's immensely popular. However, there is still one more thing that may surprise you. If I think about sushi in the UK, two types of fish seem most popular. Tuna and salmon. And if you have ever eaten sushi, I'm sure you've tried tuna and salmon sushi. But salmon was never a traditional sushi fish. It was never eaten raw, only fully cured or cooked. It was considered to be a low-quality and cheap fish in Japan. Pacific salmon, the salmon available in Japan, is not suitable for sushi. It tended to be full of parasites, making it really risky to eat without being cooked first. And therefore, it was never considered a sushi fish. So how did this change? Well, the answer is one of the most creative and successful marketing campaigns in history. From the country of Norway. In the 1970s, a member of Norway's fisheries committee realised that in Japan, tuna was incredibly expensive and highly prized. But salmon was cheap and poor quality. Norway, however, had incredibly high-quality farmed salmon from the Atlantic Ocean that had no risk of parasites, and they had too much of it. Towards the end of the 1970s, Japan began to import fish in larger quantities as the country's fishing industry could no longer match the demand. And Norway began exporting salmon in 1980 to Japan. But it wasn't until 1985 that a large delegation of Norwegians, including seafood experts, politicians and marketing officials, visited Japan again with the goal of convincing the country to start using salmon. For sushi, of course. Project Japan was launched by Norway in 1986, and after 10 years and spending nearly $4 million marketing salmon in Japan, salmon eventually became widely accepted and liked in Japan. Norway would serve raw salmon to all Japanese guests at its embassy, they launched massive advertising campaigns, they sent the royal family of Norway to visit Japan, 
and they tried to convince celebrity chefs to use salmon in their sushi. Today, salmon is considered an essential component of sushi in many places, all thanks to the efforts of Norway. So, sushi is popular around the world. But it is often very different from the sushi you will find in Japan. As the dish has spread across the world, to the Americas, to Europe, to other parts of Asia, it has been changed and adapted for the tastes and ingredients of other cultures. Japanese immigrants to the US, for example, struggled to convince Americans to eat raw fish and seaweed. They also struggled to find the same quality and type of ingredients. These factors gave rise to one of the most popular sushi dishes in the US, the California Roll. The California Roll is an inside-out sushi roll, with the rice on the outside and the nori seaweed on the inside, and usually contains crab, or imitation crab, cucumber or avocado. This dish perfectly demonstrates the way sushi was changed for overseas audiences. First, it was difficult to find some ingredients. To replace tuna, the inventor of the California roll used avocado, something I've never seen in Japanese sushi. Second, the ingredient of nori seaweed sometimes confused customers, who weren't sure if they were supposed to eat it, so they placed it inside the roll, with the rice on the outside. Third, the use of cooked crab or imitation crab meant there was no concern about raw fish. As the world has become more international, more people travel, and people more willing to try new flavours, more authentic sushi has spread around the world, and there is now a bigger appetite for high quality and luxury fish. Sushi has developed from a fermented fish and rice dish, to a Tokyo fast food, to a worldwide culinary phenomenon. So here is today's final thought. Today I've talked about the history of sushi. It is one of the most famous dishes all around the world, and a dish synonymous with Japanese cuisine. Hopefully after listening to this episode, you will have a better understanding of this food, and perhaps you can appreciate how even traditional dishes have changed significantly over the years. It is only a recent development that sushi uses fresh raw fish, edible rice, and even more recent that salmon has been used. But what do you think? Do you enjoy eating sushi? What's your country's national dish? And what food should I talk about next in this series? I guess if it is to become a series. Uh, You can let me know the answers to these questions and your opinions on this episode by leaving a comment. Where can you comment? Spotify, you can comment on the transcript, the Thinking in English blog, or you can send a message on Instagram. Uh, I love hearing and hearing from all of you, I guess. I love hearing uh, your thoughts and your messages. Um, If you enjoyed listening to today's episode, make sure to rate the episode five stars on Spotify. Uh, You can support me on Patreon. There's a seven-day free trial. Join the conversation clubs. Um, And also, 
As I mentioned at the beginning, this episode was suggested by one of you listening, one of my Patreon subscribers. Um, They didn't leave their name on the suggestion form, but if you want to suggest episode ideas, you can. Become a Patreon and I will make sure to consider all of your suggestions. So thank you for listening and I'll see you all next time. Goodbye.